All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fucking ears? How's it going? This is Mark Marin. This is my show. This is the podcast, WTF. Uh, if you were wondering, if you uh, are trying to listen to some other podcast, you've made a mistake, but maybe you should hang out for a minute. For a few minutes or however long it takes me to get through this business. I uh, hope everything's going well with you. Today is uh, Thursday. If we're dry, if you're listening to it the day it comes out, this is Thursday. Uh, just a reminder, maybe that's helpful to some of you. Maybe maybe you downloaded this thing and you were lost. I'm telling you, man, right now I, I barely know what fucking day it is. And I guess that's a, a luxury perhaps. Perhaps it's a mental ailment. I'm not sure what the fuck is going on with my brain right now. Today on the show, Joe Wong. Joe Wong's a guy I've heard about for a while. He's a, a, a Chinese-American comedian who does shows in China and can do stand-up in Chinese. It's just a world that I have uh, no idea about, and uh, I was excited to talk to him. Also, today on the show, we're going to talk to Doug Stanhope for a minute about his new book, Digging Up Mother, A Love Story, which is available now. I want to thank everybody for coming out to uh, the Trippany shows. They've been going well you know, because I'm dealing with a sort of a new, I'm trying to deal with a new way of looking at things. What is my life like now that a lot of the things I used to be fucked up about are unfucked? And it's exhausting because there's part of me that's sort of like, what do I sound like when I'm not angry? You want to know what that sounds like? Here, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Here's what that sounds like. Gee, I think I'm done. I think, I, I think I'm done with everything. I, I don't see the point of doing much of anything if, uh, if I'm not angry. So uh, I can't, I'm, seriously, I've quit comedy like three times this week already. But that's ridiculous. There's got to be, like, I've got to be able to embrace and open and move through it. But these shows that the Trippany have been good. Themes are starting to reveal themselves. Uh, people are enjoying the shows. Thank you. I don't know if there's tickets left, but I'm going to be doing it for, for a few more Tuesdays through June. You can also go to WTFpod.com slash tour to, uh, to see where I'm coming. I'm, I'm doing dates in, in July, a lot of dates in July and throughout uh, the fall. So, yeah, like things are, things are, are okay. I'm exercising, which I I don't know. I don't feel great. I don't know. These people that say that they exercise and they feel great. I exercise this morning and I feel exhausted. I, the day is going to be difficult now and uh, I'm aggravated. I, it's not, that's, I, is that the desired result? Is it? And my, my stray cats have disappeared now. They're not dead. We all know scaredy's gone, but scaredy too comes and goes. Deaf black cat apparently has moved on. And uh, shows up sporadically now. And now I just got a big bag of cat food. Now I'm not even a good cat guy anymore. They got to go somewhere else. Yeah, where's that guy? Where's the guy that all the cats love? All right, well, look, here's the deal. Right now, uh, let's go to um, me and Doug Stanhope, who's a friend of mine. You can go to the Howl Premium Archives and hear longer interviews with him on episodes 22 and 204. I, uh, I just had him come over a couple weeks ago to talk about his new book, Digging Up Mother, A Love Story. This is me and Doug.
I don't know the story about your mother. What in, in the terms of the like for a lot of people who are listening either like digging up mother or love story Doug Stanhope because I I remember hearing you talking about your mother. But what was how's the, how's the narrative of the book work? Is it essays or is it straight up memoir? Well, the the suicide itself was at my house with us roasting her and you know, making a right, party right because she out of was it. ill. Yeah, she was yeah. on hospice care, yeah. emphysema, dying, yeah. Yeah. deadpan, right. couldn't get out of bed. Right. Uh, so that that's what I worked into my last special. Right. So I, me assuming that because I had it on a special, every single person in the world knows it. Yeah, that's what we do. Like, well, no, I, yeah, no one has seen it or <laughs> knows right. it. Uh, I front loaded the first chapter is basically the extended, detailed version of that bit. That's great. So I started with what I assume everyone already knows, and then go back to. Yeah, being young and yeah, remembering her jacking off the dog. <laughs> yeah, she's just a weird caustic. This is your mom? Yeah. Why did she jerk off the dog? I don't know. She thought because they like it was her. <laughs> they. <laughs> Why does anyone jerk yeah. off a dog? But I was twelve, <laughs> so I thought it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, I knew one other kid. I saw that. I saw a kid do that once, jerk <laughs> off a dog, and I'm like, this doesn't seem right. But they are, they were laughing. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mother, my mother was laughing. I was laughing. <laughs> And it, it, because I was laughing, she continued to do that through my life up until my adulthood. Jerking off the yeah, dog. Yeah, Ralphie May was at the apartment when I lived in L.A. once yeah. where she started jerking off the cat, trying to get, like, breaking out an old bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> didn't work. Right, it's not not as funny when you're not 12. Yeah. Or when it's a cat. It's a little yeah. trickier yeah. to jerk off a cat. <laughs> Dogs are waiting. Yeah. They're, they're ready to be jerked What's off. What's your problem? They like it. <laughs> she would always say that. That sounds like some good mothering. Was your dad around? He wasn't. Yeah, my dad was around. He was of little or no consequence. He's just a... <laughs> they divorced when I was like seven, but yeah. he was just a big, hap, happy, dumb... Like It was like the dad from Happy Days, but a little dumber. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> right. So your mom was a character. Yeah. Yes. And and what what is the love story element? It just, uh, we were best friends in a very awkward way. You and your mom. Yeah. All yeah. the way through. Uh, she, she was... She, she actually talked me into doing comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. She, you should be a stand-up comic. You're funnier than these cocksuckers on huh? <laughs> fucking evening at the Improv. <laughs> How old were you when that happened? Probably twenty, twenty-two. And my mother was. She got sober in AA when I was about seven. Oh really? Yeah. So I spent a lot of time growing up in the back of AA meetings, uh, hearing the stories. Yeah, and I think that's where I got a lot of I got an adult you, sense of humor way too young. That makes sense. Uh, and I would bring all that shit to to school, and they thought I was a fucking psychotic. It it all adds up to me now because like the beautiful thing about AA, and I imagine you learned how to drink in AA. <laughs> like here, it, it was it was an advertisement for alcohol because you know the, those fucks sit around in a circle, yeah, and it's all glorifying their worst stories. And you know, talking it up with a, a small spin at the end. You yeah, know? yeah. And fortunately, through the you know, grace of God, I never have to live like that anymore. <laughs> you just, yeah, you were you were high fiving each other yeah. in the middle of this story, and then yeah, I've never seen you so happy uh, aside from the first five minutes of that story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, and storytelling itself. I mean, there were AA headliners, basically. Oh, yeah. My are. mother would take us in and go, hey, Indian Jim is speaking tonight, and you're, you're going to love him. He's yeah. fucking great. And she, yeah, that's so funny. So you, instead of getting a babysitter, you just go to the meeting with her. Yeah. 
So that whole sensibility that must have informed your brain a lot. And they and they would treat me just like I was an adult. Right. They talk to you the same way. They don't give a fuck at kids here. <laughs> yeah, I'm they, lucky to be alive. What do you think I'm going to tone it down for some fucking ten year old? Yeah, and also like ninety percent of them not necessarily great parents right. during the using period. Yeah, they're all your crazy uncle. Yeah, exactly. That corrupts like, you. Yeah, exactly. There's another one of those little fucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would bring that all to school, and I that was that's I wasn't a class clown i was like the a school shooter with jokes they were terrified of me because like even the teachers like how would how would a kid that age even know about that right right so I, talking about shooting heroin or something yeah 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 oh that's hilarious there's a piece of homework from when i was uh, like 11 and it was like use a word in a sentence and there's five different sentences yeah the uh i i, I can't remember verbatim but it was about uh, the the National Guardsmen took great aim when they mowed down the protesters in a hail of bullets. <laughs> yeah. The baby's head crushed easily in a vice. And so, so, <laughs> like, I'm 11 years old. Embracing and, the wrong things. Well, I, when I look back, I had just found that when I was going doing research for the book. My mother was a hoarder, thank God, or I wouldn't have been able to write this. Right. I wouldn't have the... Uh, and I, I look back and I go, well, that's shit that was going on in the news and it was dead baby jokes were all the rage. So, of course, I'd write something about a baby's head in a vice. Yeah, that's, yeah so. why not? You had a good, you had a, a, a dark sense of humor angle of, uh, on it. But I'm they, looking at all they, these they sent me to a school psychologist. They were terrified of me. I had to go to counseling and stuff just because I just because I had that sense of humor, just because of my jokes. And she got, like, there's a picture in there of uh, you and your brother uh, and her letting you feel her fake boobs, her new boobs. Yeah, yeah. She was all about, anyone who gets fake tits, they always want to whip them out. Yeah. My mom, I, my mom has them and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know for most of my life until she got new ones. And, uh, you know, I was, it was too old for me to be like, let me check them out. You know, it didn't feel right. But you guys looked pretty old you and your brother when you're feeling yeah we were about yeah 21 or so (laughs) but that was her second pair too yeah i believe yeah yeah she must have got the same ones i remember being in friendlies when she got her first pair and she's squeezing them in a booth (laughs) going ah we thought it was funny like she was the perfect mother if you were a beavis and butthead kid she (laughs) let you smoke let you read hustler magazine yeah vulgar and yeah she's a truck driver for a while was she bartender for a lot of years she could sneak me into bars. I, I remember seeing what it, now I know was the remnants of the Guess Who, but but they still used the name and she was working. You know the Guess Who? And she, she yeah, yeah, got yeah, him yeah. to let me in to watch him. And I was thinking it was the Who. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> it was like just Randy Bachman and maybe not even Bachman. It was probably the other guys. Uh, who knows? I thought it was the Who. and I, No. I was just I was just happy that I recognized one of the songs after the disappointment of Oh wait, this isn't the Who. You recognized American Woman and you're like, This isn't the Who. The That's one it. song. It's close enough. Yeah. So like I can't imagine she had been sick for how long by the time the the first time I, when I was uh, doing the Man Show, so 2004, yeah. Comedy Central asked me to do a cruise ship right. with DePaulo and a couple other people yeah. to film wraparounds for their comedy awards, the yeah. commies. So uh, it was a free first class airfare and a free cruise. So I brought my mother. And that's when I found out she had come off the wagon because she had been sober since I was about seven. Oh, wow. And then I found out she'd been secretly Drinking. hitting the sauce. Yeah. And I go, well, if anything, I want to get hammered with my mother one time, so yeah. this will be a good time. 
And uh, we sat in first class, and uh, they brought over trays of champagne back in the good old days of first class. Yeah. And uh, we both took one. I didn't say a word. We both started drinking, and we we drank for a a week straight. Uh, uh, Ended in, uh, uh, was it not Fort Lauderdale? Wherever they had an improv. West Palm Beach. Yeah, West Palm, yeah. I had to do a gig when we landed back. Uh, and I got her to do blow for the first time. Got a waitress chopping up lines in the ladies' room toilet and showing her how to do it. She liked it. Yeah, she liked it. <laughs> she li- she liked to, she liked to talk and drink. So yeah, that it worked sh- oh, out. I can talk more. Yeah, can over talk you into your grave. Yeah. And when did she find out she had the emphysema? Well, it was on that trip where I knew she had shitty lungs. Yeah. When she first moved here from Florida, she had been a nurse, and they. She did one of those blow into this thing to gauge the strength of your lungs, and they told her at that point she had the lungs of a 127-year-old person. (laughs) So I I knew it was bad, but on that trip, just going through the airport, she would have to stop for air on flat ground with a roller bag. She'd have to stop every so often, and I'm like, Uh, this is way worse than I knew. uh, So, and when, what was the decision-making process around her exit? I was doing a, a five-week tour. At that point, I'd kind of written her off. She had gotten life-flighted a couple times from Bisbee up to Tucson because- But it, she was living with you? She was living in the same town. Right. I moved out of town. She, she she had a bunch of false flag suicide attempts. So one of them, I had to drive out and pick her up and bring her to Bisbee and yeah. get her an apartment there. She had left a post-it note. That's, yeah. that's why I say in the in the end of the book, I go, the real title of this book is uh, Mother, the Long Version of a Suicide Post-it Note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All she wrote is a post-it. Doug, pain is too much. Which, I guess, what else do you have to say? To the point, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but was it physical pain mostly? I that's mean, when that... she was, her, her drinking just spiraled out. She uh, wasn't good at it. She'd right. be funny for an hour and then straight into maudlin depression. Why well, was a bad mother right, and I'm right. a burden to you. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I drove her out. Uh, she got life flighted. One time we were in Costa Rica and we get the call, hey, your mother just, they had a helicopter up to Tucson to the, she had tubes in her lungs sucking the gunk out oh oh yeah so she was just dying yeah and but she she was making no attempt to help herself so at some point i just had to detach like if you're just gonna keep yeah doing this to yourself you can't yeah i can't be the responsible party you're being a dick right i mean i'll still help you out when you need it but i'm not going out of my way for you right and who decided to what was the conversation around the assisted suicide? She'd been talking about suicide forever. Right. Uh, and she had attempted it, not even for health problems. So when her health got that bad and she's on oxygen, she said, uh, I went to this, I had this five-week tour of Europe, and uh, I asked the, the nurse lady, her caretaker, and they said she probably has a 50-50 chance of being here when you get back. Right. So uh, we had a... a close enough relationship where i said i'm not canceling the tour uh i said i'm going to call you every night from stage and uh if you're alive (laughs) i know you're gonna do the uh uh, uh, monty python i'm not dead yet yeah yeah (laughs) yeah monty python we grew up with that so we were always quoting we had the bits yeah yeah always and uh, if an EMT answers the phone, I guess we'll have our answer, but I'm going to do it live on speakerphone on stage every night. And you uh, did that? Yeah, we did that. And I, and we also, I also had her 
tell us what she bought today? I go, you have a $10,000 limit on your Visa card. You can't take that with you. And yeah. You have no estate for them to take it out of. Jack up your credit card. So she'd do, a, I'm not dead yet. And then she'd tell us some silly shit she bought out of the Sky Mall catalog I gave her. And uh, uh, so she was alive when I got back. And uh, she knew, she called me up and said, yeah, it's, uh, it's time to go. And had a doctor that uh, she had hospice care, and hospice will set you up with the amount of right. drugs if you want right. to hasten the uh, process. Yeah, and so she figured out that she had enough of the medication, the yeah, morphine, right. Right. well more than enough. Yeah, that, and that she, she could have left some behind. Yeah, but she didn't. She took them all. <laughs> yeah. And you all were just there, y'all. Who- she came over to my house because her where she lived was just filthy hoarder estate, yeah. spider webs and bugs and shit. Yeah, but she wouldn't let you clean anything up because right. she, you're gonna throw away something important. Yeah, yeah. So she came over to my place and I, she without a, a date, she didn't give us a, a specific date. Yeah, and I told her, uh, listen, hey, if you're gonna do this, it was a Thursday. I said. You got to do it. Uh, I, I, I said, you can't do it on Sunday or Monday because that's football. Right. And that's just a dick move. If you're doing this on your own, you don't ruin someone else's pre-planned event. Right. And you have to do it before two weeks from now because that's when Brian Hennigan's coming back and he doesn't have this stomach or sense of humor for this kind of shit. Yeah. Um, and so she just came over? She came over a Thursday and then we just hung around and waited for her to you know, cry uncle. And uh, on Saturday night... After Bingo and I had you know, spent the whole day going, I don't know what the fuck to do, and had some cocktails and took his annex to go to bed, and she's, I was on like MySpace or whatever, yeah. and she's like, it's done. Get me, my, get me my drink and my pills. It's done? She already and, took and it? I thought she meant like her beverage. She always had like an 89-ounce Bubba, right. Bubba keg kind of <laughs> thing with diet soda. A big gulp. And yeah. she was on 85 medications, yeah. and I thought she meant that. She goes, no, the other drink and the, the other pills, because she had been sober four years at that point, three right. years, yeah, uh, a, a little while, uh-huh. and I told her when she came over to kill herself, I go, you're not going to do it sober, right? Right. You can't take those chips with you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, As you know, absolutely. So, so we mixed up. Uh, she was a black Russian drinker back in her prime. Uh-huh. So I had black Russians, but she said make it white Russians because she thought the milk would coat her stomach. Yeah. for eating all those pills. Right, it's very motherly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like chicken soup for the suicide. I don't want to be too hard on my get yeah. my stomach. Yeah, and she so didn't she want just to throw them up. And- so she just did it. Yeah, she uh, she ate almost ninety there? morphine pills slowly because she had a hard time eating them, and we just busted her balls and just you and Bingo. Yeah, yeah. As she's coming in and out of consciousness, yeah, Ma, wait, they found a cure. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I, I wish I could remember all the lines. It's one of those. Oh, Was she fuck, laughing? We should have taped that. Yeah, of course she's laughing. She had a really dark sense of humor, and yeah, you know, was very uh, logical and rational about death. And yeah. So it's just... Uh, How long did it take for it to... A long time. For some reason, I, I was guessing 30 minutes. Yeah. Based on absolutely nothing. Right. No research. Right. But yeah, she, she, she was alert for, I'd say, an, an hour after she took them all. While she's taking them, that probably took an hour. Right. I, again, the timeline yeah. is fuzzy. But we, you know, we were busting her balls and then... you know, she said, I was a good mother, right? No, now you're a terrible mother. 
Like, how else would you raise a son that's going to mix you cocktails while you're killing yourself? <laughs> so when she did, when it finally happened, was, um, well, obviously it was the right thing. It was her choice. And, you know, you were there for her. And, did, and, and did, she was in agony. She also yeah. had horrific back pain. She'd been addicted to Vicodin for God knows how many years did you or cry? a decade. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we try to keep it, you know, as much gallows humor as we could. Yeah, but eventually. It, I'm a dick. It's all right. Uh, yeah. But sorry, it, my cell phone went off. I'm not saying I'm a dick for killing my mother. No. <laughs> Don't want to be misunderstood. But you uh, did have the feelings. You were able to grieve and have that moment. Yeah, Bingo and I, we put on some music, which oh. as soon as mother was, you know, unconscious because she hated music and it was always too loud. Yeah. Uh, so... And but then we'd like mirror under the nose, kind of. I can't tell if she's dead or not. You felt try to feel the pulse and stuff. Yeah, and we had a, a, a caretaker, a friend of ours that was would come in and out, and she came in at one point and said, "No, she she's still breathing." And and at some point, she uh, I remember her last words were uh because uh, my mother would just if she could get a laugh. She'd grind it into the ground. She'd over tag it and yeah. keep telling the joke and yeah. repeating it, trying to like, "Ma, you're ruining the joke. You were just funny, and now you're <laughs> too much." Going, yeah, you know, yeah, comics yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. Sh shut up. Yeah. Quit and, ringing the bell. And she she's just pounding drinks. Like, and I, at some point, I said, "Wow, you're really hammering those those white Russians." And she said, "There's times to be dainty, and there's times to be a pig." <laughs> And we fell out laughing, and you could see her mind scrambling to how to, how to tag it. it. And I go, shut up. Don't say anything else, because those are perfect last words. And she didn't say anything else. Had a couple more sips, zonked out. And that was it. And that, and that was it. And we tried to wait for until we knew she was dead. And at that point, we'd been drinking and taking a Xanax. So you we, everyone we had to went fall out. down. <laughs> and in the morning, we woke up. It's like six thirty in the morning or so, and uh, e not EMTs, but uh, guys from the f morgue, the yeah. funeral home, and the nurse caretaker lady were all in there. And I, you know, the morning where you have to figure out where what am I? What do we do? Oh, that's right. Oh yeah, mother dead, and yeah. Evidently, while we were sleeping, we I had a the we were sleeping on two couches in the living room and she had a hospital bed in yeah. a small room yeah not much bigger than this and the emts or the morgue guys had come in and gone directly to bingo to lift her <laughs> and betty's going no it's her it's <laughs> not <Bingo>. dead yeah <laughs> and they were mortified and humiliated uh, <laughs> well that's like this sounds like a, a brutally honest uh dark and and sweet somehow uh, fucking book, Doug, and it's a hell of a story, and uh, I, I wish you the the best of luck with it. It deserves to be uh, to be read by me, and I will do that, and by everyone else as well. <laughs> Thanks. And I wish I you think it's doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's great. How do you know? Because uh, this stupid, stupid guy from DeCapo called me up and he said, "Wow, you, did you see your Amazon sales ranking?" And I go, "I didn't know to look for it, oh, and great. now I can't not." Yeah, oh, no, like, now you're like, in. Uh, just know that that changes hourly. Yeah, yeah, and also based on if someone buys three books in in ten minutes, you could go. I'm not diminishing. Well, it. that's why he called me because he was like, "I've never had a book rank this high." Well, it turns out it was just after we put out our mailing list on my website, right? And he was, yes. <laughs> right. So, so it was at 57 of all books. 
He goes, I've never had any. Hitchens hit 90, and that was my best ever. Oh, that's and hilarious. Then, and then I had to go, wow, it's going to be a huge hit. And then I watched next hour at 78, next yeah. hour it's 150. <laughs> yeah. I'm just losing all my self-esteem. I'm actually excited to read it because I have a lot of respect for you. I think you're funny, and, and uh, uh, it's always good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Is this the uh, is this the seat the president sat in? That's it. Does everyone ask that? Yeah, uh, yeah eventually. Does every guest you've had since suck. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I thought I had the president. No, man. I you know, but, but, but yeah, Neil Young's great, but the, yeah. the president. No, but the funny thing was is like in my mind, I knew having <laughs> talked to politicians before. Like you know, I I was honored and it was an amazing event. But I, you know, I knew that the the conversation, you know, it wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna start crying or anything. Yeah. yeah. So people were like, "Well, what are you gonna do now?" And I'm like, "I don't know. We got Rich Voss, you know, coming." <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear that one. That's a good episode. Listen to that. I will. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Stan Hope's Digging Up Mother is available wherever you get those books, all right? And it's 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 a seriously, probably the most uh, disturbing and dark memoir uh, ever written by a comic in a very specific way. And speaking of books, the very funny writer Amber Tozer, also stand-up, has a book out now. It's called Sober Stick Figure, a memoir. Amber will be on a WTF in the near future, so I wanted to let you know that you can get her book uh, now. Because I like her. I like Amber Tozer. Now, coming up here, we've got Joe Wong. Now, I, I, Joe Wong, I'd heard about in Boston. But Joe's story seemed very interesting to me to actually do stand-up in China and to tell me about China. Like, they're just, they're, like, I don't, I don't know a lot about the world. So, I'm always excited when I have a guest who is able to, uh, to tell me about the world. So, Joe Wong... Joe Wong is going to uh, educate me and uh, you know, basically tell me about the comedy scene, you know, on mainland China. I got to get out, man. I got to travel. I got to travel. I've got to stop being afraid. I got to figure it out. I got to do it. But I think I'd like to go to Poland. I'd like to go to Russia. I think uh, I'd like to see Germany. I'd like to see those parts, the more uh, kind of uh, abrasive, uh, sausagey areas. <laughs> you know, I I'll try to travel. All right, I'm going to do it, and I don't I, I don't know why I'm saying that. Like you've defied me to do it, but let's go now to my conversation with Joe Wong. I actually did comedy in uh, in Beijing and Hong Kong. Um, uh, yeah, for we, expats. For we, oh, oh not, I, I see. I, I didn't uh, have a translator or anything, but it was uh, like but expats are nice though. They really they really appreciate comedy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, thank God, somebody. I I'd never been there to China, oh. and it was like going. I mean, it was an entirely other a different world. Oh yeah, yeah. Beijing is in, it's insane. Oh. Isn't it? Yeah, or is it my making that up? 24 million people. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
And, and not to be like weird, but like there seems to be a lot of different type of hand-driven vehicles. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah. Oh, no. that's why I still don't have a car in Beijing. Right. You know, I drive everyone everywhere in the United States, but mm -hmm. once I'm in Beijing, I was like, uh, you know, I, I can't say the fuck word here. Yeah, I, you I, can. I, I, yeah, you can. Word. Oh, okay, yeah. I was like, I'm not gonna get a, get a car. I'm gonna run over somebody for sure in yeah. a minute. Yeah, <laughs> There's you're right. So many people. There. So many people yeah. and so many different types of bicycles and yeah. weird kind of like like I was like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. And it was hard to breathe a oh. little bit. Well, it's it's a lot worse now. Really? You know, we I didn't see the sun for like two weeks before I came to LA. Really? Yeah. Once I got in LA, I was like, wow, it's so clear. And then. We were jet lagged. We yeah. got up like two o'clock in the morning. The whole family packed into a car. We drove all the way to Vegas, for what? We just wanted to see the open space in the desert and the sunrise. <laughs> 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 and then I, I met a writer friend of mine. You know, you know Chuck Scalar. You know, he. I know up, Chuck. I started yeah, with Chuck. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can ask him. You know, we were hanging hanging out. And I started to take pictures of the sky. He was like, Joe, what are you taking a picture of? I'm like, just the sky. I want to have it as evidence that there is a sky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, th I found it pretty fascinating, you, you know, it, my experience, because I always feel like as an American, I, I feel like I'm relatively open-minded, but like, I don't know if I would travel to China if I didn't get the opportunity to go there. Yeah, and, it's, it's, it's a long, it's right? A long it's a long haul. flight, yeah, but like yeah. you go. I went. I saw you know the Forbidden City. I saw uh, Tiananmen Square, and I went mm -hmm. to the Wall, and it's fucking fascinating. I mean, it, like, and then like, and then you start to think like this is really the biggest and oldest culture in the world. Uh, yeah, yeah, existing in the world, uh -huh. and I don't fucking know anything about it. Yeah, do you? Not really. <laughs> I lived in Beijing for five years. You know, I stayed there for three years before I came to the U.S. back in 1994. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm in Beijing for two more years. I've never gone there by myself. Mm -hmm. It's always, oh, a friend is coming over. They want to see the Forbidden City. I said, oh, right, oh, for I'll those take things, yeah. yeah. And for a while, there's a Starbucks in the middle of for Forbidden City. Oh, really? Yeah. So the Chinese <laughs> Just are like okay. the emperor wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Chinese are okay with it, but all the Westerners got upset. You know, they were like, we came all the way here. To see us. We saw Starbucks. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So you, like, the, the last time I tried to, uh, to talk to you, I, I knew you were in Boston. Yeah. Now, like, let, let's, go, let's go through the life. Because, you know, quite honestly, and, and, and to, my, uh, to my own fault, for me, it's, it, it becomes sort of um, how even in comedy, uh, you know, communities get insulated. You, you know, there's like there must be a lot of Chinese comics yeah. that, that that I don't know. There, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a lot of every kind of comics that you, you have your own. And there's a, you have your own career mm -hmm. that is not you know mainstream American comedy. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's hard for me to know. It's like I don't. How would I know that guy? He's got a TV <laughs> show in China. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you were but you were an American comic, and you are an American comic. Yeah, I I was on the Letterman show for a time. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I saw one of those. Yeah. So, yeah, I also hosted the radio and TV correspondence dinner. 
You did the, the big one? Uh, yeah, 2010. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah? How yeah. was that? It was great. You know, the, the Obama didn't show up, but then uh, Joe Biden was there. So What I do you mean Obama ma- didn't show up? <laughs> hey, what, you, what was he doing? Uh, he was uh, he was doing some uh, health care thing during the time. Yeah. Yeah, so two weeks before the, the show, there were, my manager called me, hey, hey Obama's not coming. But Did you Joe say, Biden- like, well, that's bullshit. <laughs> he would have come if Will Ferrell was doing it again. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Did you have that feeling? Oh, uh, yeah, well, a little bit. <laughs> I was like, is it because I'm Asian? <laughs> yeah. But where did it start? Were you born in China? Yeah, I was born in China and then came to the U.S. when I was 24. Like where in China? Uh, northeast part of China, close to uh, North Korea. Do you have family and, there? Oh, yeah, I still have family there. Wait, what, what's, the, what's the part called? Uh, it's called Jilin Province. Uh-huh. Yeah. And is that like a big province? Like what's the tiny province? Oh, what's the small town? Oh, it's a small town. Yeah. And what's the industry there? What goes on there? Oh, it's basically corn, um, lumber, Uh coal, that kind of thing. Uh huh. And and growing up, like how much time did you spend? You you grew up in China till you were twenty four. Yeah. And is it? See, the thing that I noticed when I was there briefly, and my dumb American observations were. I don't see anything familiar here. And there's really not much effort made to uh, make me feel comfortable at all. Oh, like, really? Like, I, I'm surprised. Well, like I, I go there, I was I see McDonald's. But that's it. But that's it. But that's it. Exactly. The, like I'm looking at the landscape that, mm-hmm. of Beijing, the yeah. city's landscape, and I'm like, oh, that's a KFC bucket. Yeah, exactly. I recognize yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I re- but like anything else, there's no there's no translation. There like transportation. It's not like in English too. Oh yeah. And, and yeah. I imagine it's because there's not a big tourist industry. Yeah, that's back in 2002. Right. I mean, starting from 2008 after the Olympics. Yeah. The English signs everywhere. Oh really? Yeah. But then they messed it up in a big way. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Um, uh, the Department of Proctology. They call it the Department of uh, Intestines and Anuses. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> That's true. They, they had a big sign there for a while. They realized, oh, this is not right. It was a big sign? Uh, yeah. <laughs> there, there were a lot of those. You know, it's like, uh, you know, slippery when wet. You mm-hmm. know, they, they will translate that into, you know, uh, please slip carefully or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting because it, I, I guess the like I don't have any sense of of how the Chinese language works, but that just yeah. me that just must must be someone's most you know kind of uh, straightforward translation oh, exactly or they did it out of uh, some kind of program right right like, oh we got to put english signs for, for foreigners <laughs> and, then like, and they didn't really put much thought into it like oh, get a guy working on this oh, so, oh no no they yeah there's, there's so little checking <laughs> yeah just like they they saw some english and then they just put it up there well, growing up in that type of government, I mean, you, you know, what was, did, did you feel, I mean, I don't know, what, what what was your parents' business? How did you grow up? Did you grow up, uh, like, you know, poor or like? It's kind of poor. Yeah. But our family was in a, a countryside, right? Mm-hmm. But my family is still better off than my neighbor. I still remember going to my neighbor's house as a kid, probably five, six year old when mm-hmm. I was and uh, I go there, there's no electricity. It's in the winter. It was really cold. Yeah. No electricity. And uh, the whole room was cold. The kid was eating raw potato for lunch. The kid was. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, wow, this family is great. You know, his yeah. parents will allow him to do this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to eat a raw potato. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I didn't understand because right. everybody was poor. But then right. that, 
family was even poorer than us. Yeah. But at the time, so wow, this kid has a lot of freedom. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But what that, well, that's always, I guess, the question that you know, I you know, that maybe I'll speak for some Americans is like, what is, you know, what is the quality of life in in terms of of that sense of freedom? Because I remember when I was there, there was some activity mm-hmm. in uh, Tiananmen Square. Uh, you, you know, they corralled a bunch of Falun Gong protesters, like, and it just sort of happened, like, and it mm-hmm. happened very quickly. Yeah. Just some trucks pulled up, put these people in them, and drove away. Uh huh. But I, yeah. were you aware that you were living in that type of oppression? Uh, growing up, you know, I was educated to grow up to be a communist. You know, every kid is. You know, we're the inheritors inheritors of the communist uh, endeavor, whatever. Endeavor, that's a good word for it. So when you're like a little kid, yeah. there's pictures of Chairman Mao. Oh, yeah, in the house. In the house. Yeah, in the house, uh-huh. uh, every house has a few. Uh-huh. And I remember one woman made a comment. He was, she was like, you know, it's weird. I just feel mouse eyes are following me even when I'm using the bathroom. Yeah, and then she got arrested. Really? <laughs> yeah. She said that publicly. Yeah, some- yeah. She's maybe she's, you know, blabbed it out. You know? Uh huh. But then, but not on TV or anything. No, no. But maybe it, to a neighbor, and the neighbor yeah, said the neighbor, something. Yeah, the Did that happen? Oh yeah, it happens in the past a lot. You know, no, then where you get ratted out. Oh yeah, yeah. But now it's, things are slightly better. You know. <laughs> so yeah. right, but they must have been changing a bit throughout your childhood. I mean, but because like, how old are you? I'm forty-five. Oh, so yeah, yeah. So when you were a kid, Mao was still alive. Maybe yeah, yeah, for a couple he, years, right? Yeah, he he died when I was six. Wow. So he, you were? Do you have memories of? Uh, that's the first time I saw TV television you know because i didn't grow up with television uh-huh and then when mao died the whole school organized us to go to this huge hall uh-huh. to watch his funeral really that's the first time i saw a television no kidding <laughs> yeah i'm not kidding how old were you six six yeah. so no tvs in the houses no no <laughs> what was the entertainment oh nothing uh <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times i was standing uh, under a big uh telephone post uh-huh. and uh, there's there's a speaker mounted on the on the post and there's some songs or there's some you know cross chinese crosstalk which uh-huh. is kind of like vaudeville uh-huh. comedy oh the, really yeah so i was you know, stand under a telephone post and listen to some entertainment in town or down on, on the corner where was the television <clears throat> post oh just just on the road and they just blare out at yeah, weird times? Blare. Yeah, yeah. Everybody can hear it. The whole village or whatever can Th- hear it. And that's the entertainment. Yeah, that's the entertainment. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then and then the uh, every day we will hear this weather report. Yeah. And not just the temperature. Like, would it wake you up? Well, no, it's during the day. Okay. Yeah. So there wasn't sort of like a, like out of nowhere you just hear, wake up! Uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, it, just basically maybe sometime in the afternoon they will broadcast some stuff. It was scheduled? Like every... It's scheduled, yeah, yeah. And so you'd get weather reports? Weather reports. Crosstalk? Crosstalk, some songs and news. Songs? Yeah. Like um, what kind of songs? Oh, it's, you know... It's the love for the country, the love for the party. Anthems. The love, yeah, anthems, yeah, yeah. No kidding. And that was when you were like be, uh, younger than 10? Yeah, a, a lot younger than 10. So after 1978, 79, China starts to open up. Yeah. And uh, we can gradually listen to foreign radio stations. Because before that, if you listen to a foreign radio station, and you can get reported and arrested. No kidding. Yeah, and then after that, you know, I started to... 
I remember first American song I heard is uh, "Girls Just Want to Have Fun." Really? Yeah, Cindy Lauper's. <laughs> I still have a very fond memory of it. You know? <laughs> Tell me about this this crosstalk though, because like it. it because I imagine, you know, having performed in in America and having, you, you know, that you, the root of, you know, I talk to a lot of comedians, yeah, and we all have an experience of of what comedy is and what is funny, mm-hmm. and and I have absolutely no sense at all of, uh, you know, what like if you went to to an entertainment, not necessarily a comedy show, because they they didn't have stand up comedy then, mm-hmm. or you were sort of like you you wanted. All cultures have some sort of, you know, clowning or comedy or something. Yeah. But w- what was crosstalk? What's the structure of it? It's uh, it's basically two guys on stage. Mm-hmm. One being a funny guy. The other one is basically he he is the audience. So I like got so a straight man of a sort. Yeah, straight man of a sort, and uh, it's a safer form of art. You know, it's like stand-up comedian on stage. You right. Tell the joke. It, right. It bombs. It's all on you. Sure. Okay. If uh, two guys on stage, if a, a joke bombs, the yeah. other guy can say, "Oh well." You yeah. Know. Right. Right. <laughs> they make didn't it take a little. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, so he represents the audience in the way he's like sort of a middleman. That is sort yeah. of a straight man in a, a kind of a pure sense. Yeah. Where he he'd set up the joke, and then if the audience doesn't laugh, then he can say like, "Well, I guess we didn't like that one." Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. And <laughs> what what were the topics? Oh, uh, they 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 usually tell a long story in twenty minutes. Uh-huh. One story. One story. It, it's completely made up story. Everybody knows it's fake, but mm-hmm. they kind of go along with it. Uh-huh. And um, and the audience are different too. Like in America, stand-up comedy is based, in a sense, it's a way to sell liquor in, in a you know on a club a level. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in China, they usually do this in a tea house. Mm-hmm. People drink tea, you know, and eat sunflower seeds. The whole family could be sitting at the table. Family entertainment. Yeah. Some food, maybe, or just some, sunflower seeds? Uh, the sunflower seeds, you know, some you know, That's peanuts. That's snack? Yeah, no, wings. Snack. no wings. <laughs> <laughs> no hot wings, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what was the other, like, where, like, I'm trying to get a sense culturally, like, what you would do as a family, you know, to sort of build your brain out around entertainment. I mean... Were there, there was obviously movies. Yeah. Oh, movies are huge in China. It's just like... But when you were a kid, there were Chinese movies, all Chinese movies. All Chinese movies. Uh, it's uh, a lot of propaganda movies. With a theme. Yeah. yeah, yeah, with a theme. But then later on, they opened it up. A lot of uh, Japanese, Indian movies uh-huh. came out. Before American movies. Before American movies. And now in recent years, American movies became huge. Mm-hmm. Just all the blockbuster movies. Yeah, the, the American movies. film industry is very happy about that. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> A lot of uh, writers and and uh, uh, producers were in China, you know. Trying oh yeah, to, you know, trying to get a handle on it. Exactly, there's yeah. a lot of people here. Uh, a lot I, of ticket sales. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's, the the growth is like thirty, forty, fifty percent a year. You know, just every year it grows so fast. You know. I know we say billion, but there's got to uh, be more than a billion. It's probably one point four billion people. It's, it's, it, it blows my mind. I know. It's, so when you're a kid, <clears throat> the propaganda, like what essentially were you taught? 
in terms of the rest of the world. Oh yeah, this is America. Americans are living in a in a hellish place. You know, the the capitalists are you know using the webs to to get them to work harder. Uh, oh really? Oh yeah. And then I came to America and found out that was true actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all being whipped here uh, yeah, yeah. by ourselves. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the sad part about it. That's uh, the part they didn't tell you. It's like uh, yeah. the people that we're doing the whipping were us. Oh, we're yeah, exactly. us. We have to get more. We have yeah, to get do. more. And then if you don't get more, we're going to move the business exactly. to China. <laughs> yeah. So you were taught to distrust and, and maybe you, you know dislike or judge America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, that, but that's the, you know, Russia does it, China does no, no, it, yeah, North yeah. Korea does it, you know. But then uh, after... And, and you were on 80, the border of North Korea? Yeah, yeah. I, I I've been to North Korea once. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the border. To do a was, show? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tough crowd. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the opener got shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but but there's a actually there's a social media site in China. It's dedicated to uh, Kim Jong Un, uh-huh. the, the North Korean leader. Yeah. Every day they have pictures of him. They make fun of him, you know, just because he's he looks so weird and funny. Yeah, you know? right, yeah sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's in China. That that's, yeah, that's in China. Yeah, your family's Chinese, though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you have family in Korea as well, or? Oh, you don't know. Yeah, we 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 lost touch a long time ago. It's yeah. probably three generations ago. You know, I may, I may my ancestors may have lived there. But, yeah, you know, right. I, I grew up in China. Yeah, you know. I've, so what? Wh- how how did you find a way out? Was it just a, a matter of the culture changing and there being opportunities and and a a, a sort of there was were, when you how how did it come to pass? that you know you were able to leave both mentally and physically oh physically i have to take a lot of tests you know i i took the toefl exam the gre to, i i went to graduate school in america yeah I but so like how does that happen though like 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 so you you go to school what were you studying when you were a kid i mean how does oh, education work in china yeah you basically go through uh you know elementary school high school and stuff and uh-huh. then you have to decide a major before you graduate before you graduate high school yeah to study in college you mean exactly yeah so there's a college entrance exam what'd you study uh, what'd you decide biochemistry oh so you're a smart guy uh, well my dad wanted me to study biochemistry <laughs> he said that's the science of future you do that really <laughs> yeah what'd your dad do he's an engineer okay yeah and he worked for <laughs> obviously the government yeah he works for a steel factory that is owned by the government yeah, of course, everything's owned by the government at the time. Yeah. He worked in the same factory for like 30 years or something. Uh-huh, making <clears throat> steel. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they even have a like sleigh to look for you know, iron ore in the mountains because you know, the technology was so backwards back in the 70s and yeah. 60s. They have a what, a sleigh? Yeah, they just... People drag a sleigh and walk all over the mountains just to look looking for, looking for ore? For, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wow. I know. It was so cold in the winter. Sometimes they have to sleep in the woods. Did you ever get the sense that that the the idea of communism and the the sort of, uh, you know, um, the mission of the national agenda didn't really care about people? Like, you know, because it seems like, you know, when you tell a story like that yeah. and you sort of, when I hear about that, when you hear about, you know, factory conditions and stuff, that that it must feel like human life is a little bit disposable. 
Yeah, but that that's in the area, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's just a lot of people, you know, just suffer and die. I mean, that's okay. But now, you know, it, it's <laughs> unacceptable. <laughs> but, 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 but but at the time, it's really normal. You know, everybody lives like that. You know, right. It's, it's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people kind of uh, uh, has a lot of uh, they became nostalgic about in the air about the era. Oh, when when things started <laughs> to open up. What, what well, th- before things start to open up, because everybody's the same. Everybody wears the same clothes, you know. They right, go to people the knew what they, you know. There was not a lot of decision making. Exactly, you know, it's like there was a, there was probably less competition. Yeah, exactly. But right now, you know, you live in a, a shabby little hut, and the, your your neighbor has a Mercedes. You know? yeah, it's just, yeah. Right now, it's like this. Yeah, right, so, right. So, so yeah. See what capitalism does. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is, you know. Yeah, exactly. It ruined everything. Yeah, it's hard to now keep I up gotta, with the Juneses anymore. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, now I got to buy clothes. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much easier when the government told us what to wear. Exactly, yeah. Well, so, that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So by the time you get to, uh, you finish high school, yeah. you decide on bioengineering. Now, how many sisters and brothers you have? I have one younger brother. Uh-huh. Yeah. And was uh, was all that stuff really true about population control in China? In terms oh, yeah, of yeah. You could only have how many kids? Oh, you could only have one child. But uh-huh. The policy just changed last year. So how so now you can have two, and they encourage you to have two kids now. So you have a very young brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we're ethnic Koreans, so we're allowed to have two kids. Oh, so oh, yeah. you're ethnic Korean. Yeah. What is that? Oh, look, my ancestors came from Korea. So you got in under uh, uh, in a loophole. Uh, yeah, exactly. You could have a brother in a loophole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but most families only have one child. Yeah. Bizarre, right? I know. A lot but... of a lot of only children. I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wonder if they have ever done a study on you know. I guess if you really want to know. You know, the psychological realities of an only child, you can go to China. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's weird. So, like, all of your friends were probably like, you know, they just didn't have any brother or sister to influence them or I can't. Yeah, yeah, I know. But you have cousins and stuff, I guess. Oh, that's right. Yeah, bigger yeah, families? Yeah, bigger families. That, Is it in the family units pretty important in terms oh, of. Oh, it's a l- very important. Yeah, oh, yeah? Yeah. So that's how it's structured. So, like, you know, you have a large family? I have a fairly large family, but then they kind of got scattered around the country, mm. or even the world now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. All right, so how do you get from uh, from high school to, you know, American graduate school? Oh, oh then I went to college in China. For bio... <coughs> for biochemis- biochemistry. Mm-hmm. Then I have to take all these exams, yeah. English exams. I memorized the Oxford Dictionary like eight times. Really? Yeah, I have to just... Because the GRE is so that has so much you know archaic words for the American exam. Yeah, for the American. So exam. you do okay. So you do undergraduate in China, mm-hmm. and but how are you afforded the opportunity to go to school in America? How does that happen? Oh, you. I just do. I just you know prepare a lot and then uh, oh, so the you test. can leave. Yeah, I can leave. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after the eighties, you can leave. So there's a big wave of uh, Chinese students coming to America to study. Right. Yeah. Back in the 80s and 90s. So you were memorized the Oxford Dictionary just for the GREs? Just for the GREs, and uh, I, that kind of screwed me up a little bit. Why? Because uh, I, for some reason, I thought all America, every American knows every word in that dictionary. <laughs> and uh, I came here, I would talk to people like, wow. You're so wrong. That was yeah, so wrong. I was like, man, today I feel lugubrious, you know? <laughs> and people was like, what the hell are you talking about, Joe? <laughs> 
This is what happened when he went to graduate school? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then some people just wouldn't hang out with me. I was like, why? He said, you're pretentious or something. He <laughs> right, right. thinks I'm, I'm just, you know. You're just trying to, uh, to, to get, to, to integrate. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I, I thought everybody knows these words. <laughs> <laughs> it's all words in the dictionary to me. You know? <laughs> the Oxford Dictionary, yeah. nonetheless. Not even Webster's. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the big one. <laughs> yeah. The two-volume one. <laughs> so where did you end up? So I went to Rice University in Texas. Oh, that's a good school. Yeah, yeah. And to do graduate work in biochemistry. Yeah. And, and did you finish? Oh, yeah, I finished. I got a degree there. And, and what was it like, that transition of, of living in Texas outside of alienating people with the word lugubrious? <laughs> lugubrious, what, yeah. what What were your immediate feelings of, uh, about you know, being in America culturally? Oh, it was painful. Uh, I still remember it to this day. I looked into the mirror and said to myself, oh, I, I swear to God, I will never go to another culture and try to adapt. You know, it was so painful. Real, how so? Because I can't communicate with people. You right. know, I, I know a lot of words, but then when I say something, people don't quite understand cause, because of the heavy accent. Right. And uh, I don't understand what other people are talking, because you know, Americans, they joke around. Yeah. And we're telling a joke. I can understand every word in it. But you can't understand the tone. I don't understand the tone, and more importantly, I don't understand why it's funny. Yeah, right. So everybody I mean. else is laughing. I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> was it like sarcasm? Or, oh, or? Yeah, sarcasm is a big thing, because uh, you know, I always take it literally. Yeah, yeah. right. So, <laughs> so you were the guy not laughing. Yeah, this, for example, I work in the lab. If yeah. I borrow some equipment, they were, I said, I can't even use this. They're like, oh, it's 20 bucks. I said, okay, I'll give you $20. <laughs> but they're like, no, no, we're just kidding. <laughs> so you felt you, 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 you were very vulnerable because it was like there, you couldn't, it, the, this sort of um, yeah, cultural uh, norm of, of, of how com people communicate with comedy was lost on you. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you were made, not on purpose, but to feel like an idiot all the time. Uh, yeah, I feel like an idiot. And then when I try to learn from that, but, but people, then people see me as a serious person. Right. So then when, when I try to tell a joke, they took, they took it seriously. You know, like <laughs> once another person tried to borrow some stuff from me, I said, oh, it's 20 bucks. Yeah. And then my lab mate got really mad. She was like, Joe, you can't charge money for that. I was like, I was trying to get it. Trying to be sarcastic. Yeah, I know. But then people thought I, I'm always serious. <laughs> well, that's a weird thing in that, you know, because I, I can only speak for myself, but it, it is a completely different cultural language. Yeah. You know, even though, you know, we're all people and I understand that, but... We, I wasn't encultured. I, I didn't have an experience with Asian people. Uh -huh. You know, in, yeah. in my life growing up, there was no, it always seemed like, you know, weird. Oh. You know, not bad, but like, yeah. I don't know what's happening. And, and when I went to China, I was like, not only, again, not only do you know what's happening, but clearly whatever's happening here has been happening a lot longer uh, yeah. than anything else that I understand. So who am I to judge? <laughs> but, I, but I felt, you know, I felt stupid. You, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get to that <clears throat> point where it's sort of like, well, what 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 do they like? What 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 do they think is funny? How you know? Yeah. And and I must I have to assume that the learning process. When were you able to to? And I use they. I was I was being sarcastic in mm -hmm. a way, but but that's the. It, it's not necessarily racist, but it it is just kind of um, naive. 
You know, like how mm-hmm. the fuck am I supposed to know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, see, yeah. like, because I, it, it seems to me that your experience not not only until you started to relax, oh yeah, culturally yeah. into American ways, were you sort of seen as a whole person? Exactly. Yeah, that that's absolutely true. And uh, the the what bothers me is um, my experience in America. You know, it's only the first three months of experience could yeah. be understood by people in China. And what, is it, what do that, you mean? Because after that, you know, when you... Oh, really, you're like an American. Yeah, yeah. You dig into the American culture, they don't understand it anymore, you know? So <laughs> now you're a stranger in both lands. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, uh, yeah, in a way, I kind of bother. I feel like there, there are probably only five or six people in the in the world who understand what I'm going through, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> For those three months. Yeah, I know. It's like... Oh, I did comedy here in the United States. Well, so let's well, let's get to that. So yeah. you 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 get the degree, yeah. and you know over time, I imagine what happened. You 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 did have a few American friends, yeah, yeah, and 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 through that, you know, because well, that's I think that is really the the thing is that you know we make an assumption that yeah. that people who come from a, a, a an Asian background who who are not. Americanized in any way mm-hmm. that that's their personality like oh, that yeah. what we're but it's really we don't have access to it uh, oh yeah do you know what I mean we're uh, making assumptions based on the fact that we can't communicate emotionally yeah yeah I, I totally get this you know you see an Asian person you feel oh he's from another country you know that's or the, just that like yeah, how do you, how do you make him laugh how, how do you know if he's sad uh, yeah you, I know you, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah is he is he is he understanding this properly because yeah, like, yeah there's not a lot of uh, facial expressions in Chinese culture <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, yeah. So I, a lot of time I have to explain. Look, this is my sad face. <laughs> this is my happy face. But it's, it's the same. <laughs> is that really true, though? Uh, uh, kind of. But in, in China, it's subtler. Well, I think, right, right. Like when we're talking, you have hand gestures, you know, you're you're making faces, but but in China, it's very rare. Right. So it's it's about, um, you know, uh, emotional visibility in a way. Yeah, exactly. That, like, you know, Americans, you know, whether they're. Um, you know, repressed or 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 cagey or angry. The 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 cultural dialogue is sort of like, I need this, I need that, and I'm this guy, and uh, here yeah. I am, and make a know, lot of noises. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, but and, the Chinese culture is opposite. You know, if a Chinese person got into trouble, the first thing they think is, Oh, I'm gonna go to the woods. Well, go go into the woods and see some <laughs> nature. You know, and, and feel good about what everything. kind of trouble would drive someone to the woods? You mean, oh, if somebody got an emotional difficulty? Uh, yeah, yeah. I gotta like, get out and be alone. Exactly. You know, oh, you know, either uh, relationship yeah. troubles yeah. or you know, money troubles yeah. or you know, career-wise, they will go into a place where there, there's good scenery. You know, they would. That's what, how they. Oh, really? That's how they have their. Um, what, what that, that's it? how they deal with their problems. They, they go right, right, yeah. right. That's how they process. Exactly. They go. It, it, but where does that come from? Do you think it was you know growing up in in communist China? How did they deal with interpersonal problems? Was it just forbidden to uh, have relationship problems? Like I, I imagine there were laws, but was there some uh, you know way to? Uh, did they somehow address sort of like if you're sad? You know, go do this, or was, was uh, it? Not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're sad, you know, I had the people very rarely talk about emotion. Right, that's during a, that time. It's capitalistic. You know, it's a uh, it's bourgeois. You know, you you oh okay, it's, it's bad. You know, <laughs> right, yeah, right. You, you just suck it up. Yeah, just suck it up. You right. know, like a lot of marriages were 
arranged by the government or by the party. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, you two are single. You know, you get you, married. Right. <laughs> no, that, and that's that. That's it. Yeah. So when did you start to feel? You said three months uh, that you 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 became sort of corrupted in a way, <laughs> Pro- uh, maybe pleasantly so. Mm-hmm. So so you spend you know the first trip back to China after going to graduate school. I mean, obviously, you speak Chinese, and you know, you. you but, but, yeah. what were what were the noticeable differences? What did your family and friends in China say? Like, you're different. You do this now. What was it? You laugh. Oh what, yeah. <laughs> what was it? Yeah. Well, it's more like it's, it's hard to say. Like, you know, when you go to a restaurant in China, yeah. you know, it's very it's very normal to split the bills in, in mm-hmm. America, but mm-hmm. in China, especially the part where I was from. It was really frowned upon, you know. The the proper way of doing it is uh, we have a meal together, and afterwards we fight for the bill. You fight for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And that it's still this way. So how does it, that fight unfold? It doesn't you know, get violent, you do. Oh, sometimes it gets violent. <laughs> <laughs> cool. two, uh, this is a real true news, true story. Yeah. Last year, two guys fought over a bill, and one guy broke the other guy's arm, and he the, this other guy got arrested. <laughs> the guy who broke the arm? Yeah, yeah. So Just he, because they're fighting for the bill. You know, I, I, I'll i pay for it. No, no, no. I got to pay for this. What is it? A pride thing or not? Oh, yeah, it's a pride. And also just like I feel better if I, I'm paying for the whole thing. Oh, right. Because we're friends. Uh-huh. The, yeah. they, they're they're, not, they're the, probably not friends anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Once in jail, the other got <laughs> arms broken. You know. And fed. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Free meal and, and, uh, and a broken arm. <laughs> yeah. But he's not in jail. So when does um, when does comedy in, in the form of stand-up, you know, sort of uh, get on your radar? What, when? How does that happen? Well, this probably after I graduated from college, and then I started working. A friend of mine took me to a comedy club in Houston. I think it's the Laugh Stop. Yeah, I remember that place. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the first guy I saw was Emo Phillips. Oh yeah, yeah, and he didn't even do this weird, ha- weird it was, hair thing. Oh, it was in that. It was. He's back to that now. Oh he's, really? Yeah. Oh. No, but there was a period where he was wearing glasses and he had the regular haircut. Yeah, yeah. That period where he basically he, just sat on a stool and told jokes, and it was great, you know. But then, of course, I only could understand half the jokes. Well, he's hard to understand, anyways, in a way. But like, I would yeah. imagine, that as far as tone goes, you know, <clears throat> he's sort of a surrealist. So I, I would imagine, actually, he'd probably be easier to understand uh, than some other comics because yeah, yeah. it's like poetry. It's, it's, it's exactly. very much, there's a logic to it. Uh, yeah, there's logic and, you know, every word means something. Mm-hmm. You just grab onto it, but still. I and you were laughing? Yeah, I understood probably half the jokes. Yeah. But then I still was really impressed, you know. I was like, yeah. wow, you know, I, I should you know, watch this more. So I started to watch more stand-up comedy. Who else connected with you? Oh, then later on, it's just more TV stuff, yeah. you know, and then... So when you came here and you were watching American television for the first time, it must have been sort of like, oh my God. Like, did you always, like when you first came to graduate school, did you spend a weekend just watching TV? Oh, yeah, we watched a lot of TV from, <laughs> from in the beginning from PBS. Because mm-hmm. PBS, you know, they, they speak relatively slower and then they, they I don't know, they, they pronounce every word, you know, they use really formal English language. Uh-huh. So that's something I can understand. Right. Now, then I watch Leno or Letterman. I just, just, too fast? Yeah, this is too fast. I don't know what those celebrity 
movies are. You know, I don't get the references. Why are they laughing? Yeah, why are they laughing? You know. <laughs> so, but did you find? Was there a sense like could you? Because like the in, in the conversation culturally about China and about the United States, there's this idea that of you know freedom versus non-freedom. Yeah. Did mm. did you have a sense of that when you got here? Did you did, did were you kind of like you know is this you know, does this is this what freedom feels like? Yeah, you do feel that, you know. Yeah. I just when I first got here, I feel that oh, there's nobody watching over me, you know, like no pictures of Mao, <laughs> no pictures of Mao. That's that's for sure. Yeah, a yeah. lot of pictures of Washington. But, sure, uh, on the money, yeah, on the money. Yeah, yes, exactly. Seems like the only pictures their leaders are on is the money. The money, exactly. <laughs> this makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. what were some of the things that you did? Sort of like I can do this now, uh, that I and I couldn't do this. Was it just a matter of? of people not you know watching you in the same way or oh. were there things you wanted to eat or yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it is watching is one thing and uh, i don't have to worry too much about you know what i say in public right that's another thing and uh, also you know there's like strip clubs <laughs> you know, like i'm not even kidding so i came to this country and, and i was already married to my wife yeah but then still we have friends who got married yeah. and I, I kind of, you know, I'm married guy. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't go to a strip club. Right. And my wife's like, oh, that's okay, you know. Yeah. I'm going with the girls anyway. Oh, really? <laughs> She's going to, uh, She's gonna go to the male strip club? club? Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, so you were married when you got here. Yeah, yeah. And did you talk about the experience when you got home, the two of you? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, 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 checked, each other, we checked some notes. I think, I, I guess that's okay. It just depends on how often you went. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some guys married. It's probably okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So that was a, a, a pretty. A, I guess that's an amazing experience. Do they have strip clubs in China now? No, they, they don't. No. Well, there's underground stuff. Oh yeah, there, there's some things that are crazy. You know, they they even have strippers in, in funerals now. In, in in China? Yeah, just really a remote part of China. Nobody quite knows where it is. You know, it happens. I guess, and then somebody make, made a video of it and then put it on social network. That's yeah. how, how people knew, wow, then they do this. You know? At a funeral. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's an interesting approach. I, I guess uh, that's one way to handle the grieving process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so you see Emo Phillips, you're watching stuff on, on TV. What other comics did you like at that time? Oh, I loved Woody Allen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because... Um, I always wanted to learn English, and yeah. I, I joined a uh, English class, and the teacher just said to me, hey, you seem to like you know, writing humor, humor yeah. stuff. So she gave me a book of uh, short novels and essays. Without Feathers, or which one? No, uh, it's, a, it's a kind of a com compilation of a lot of different authors. Oh, oh okay, Woody, okay. Yeah, Woody Allen was one of them. Oh, I see, not a Woody Allen book. No. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then later on, I bought it you know, without feathers. Some side or, effects. Yeah, side effects, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, and uh, so that taught you sort of the, uh, the the sensibility of writing comedy. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I watched uh, uh, George Carlin. Yeah, I, I really Later thought, stuff? Yeah, I, when, I, when I watched him, I was like, why should I do comedy? This guy did everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of discouraging in a way, uh -huh. but, but I figure, you know, well, you know, I have to do this. <laughs> really, you were possessed by it. You were, you were like, I have to do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting to me that you know to come from a culture where you know speaking publicly was you know possibly punishable. Mm -hmm, yeah. That you were like, I'm going to 
not only speak publicly, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to do it in front of a lot of people. And yeah, and, I guess one motivation is uh, I have, of course, everybody has different motivations. Yeah. One thing is uh, sometimes I would think of, think of something funny. Yeah. And say it among my friends. I got no laughs, I was like, but I always have a feeling that if I say this on stage, it could be funny. Well, that's that's the big leap from, you know, that that's the confidence that you can't really explain that it takes to, to be a comic. Yeah, I, I don't know why I got that feeling, but I just feel that I need to say something in public, even if it's a, a, at a street corner, I would right. do it, you know? But the, the idea, that's the interesting thing, because like I knew guys, like like a lot of people assume that comedians are just naturally funny people in life. Mm -hmm. But I've known a lot of people that were, you know, socially awkward. Oh, me? Uh, oh I have anxiety. Right. Uh, yeah. In, in real life. But they mm -hmm. get on stage and they have this confidence of like, you know, I know this is funny. Yeah. And, and sometimes it takes a while for them to figure it out up there. Yeah. But I've known a lot of people that were sort of categorically in some ways you wouldn't think were funny. Mm -hmm. But they, they figured out how to, to be funny on stage. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying you weren't funny, but you, but the confidence required to to say like, well, I know this is funny, you know, fuck you guys, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. you know, do you, you know, what do you know, and do it. So how where'd you first go on? Uh, that was back in 2002 in Boston, Somerville. It, oh, I, I used to live in Somerville. Yeah, it's uh, Hannah's. But uh, what? How'd you get to Boston? Oh, from from graduate Texas. school. Yeah, I, after I graduated from school, I got a job in Texas, and then that company went under. Uh huh. So it's a small startup company, and uh, so this is something I didn't notice myself until then. Uh, I have this attachment to people. I I don't even realize this, and then even people I don't like. What, don't, like what do you mean? What kind of attachment? I don't know. I just you know oh, we're, you like uh, like you, we're, f we're we work together. So we're we're friends. Yeah, we're, we're, I don't even probably I don't even like you. You don't like me. But if, when you're leaving, I feel really bad. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and when the company is going under every week, I'm seeing somebody off. I just oh getting me fired. Nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Sad. Then, yeah. So I decided to uh, work for a bigger company that's more stable. So you wouldn't have to deal with the emotional pain I, I, of people it, leaving. Yeah, and I try not to make friends at work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is this is true. You're a sensitive guy. Yeah, I just try not to make friends at work and just do my job and go home. Mm -hmm. That's that's my plan. So you know, I moved to Boston, and then I figured for, the, for the, to work for a bigger company. Yeah, to, to work for a bigger company. What were you in? Like research? A uh, research. Uh -huh. Yeah, I worked for Sanofi Aventis, which uh -huh. is the second largest company, pharmaceutical company in the world. Uh -huh. And then I went to a, a comedy writing class in Brooklyn. Uh, Brookline. Brookline, yeah, sure. Yeah, and Who taught that? Uh, it's uh, Tim McIntyre. Mm. Yeah, he's and, a comedian. Yeah, he's a comedian. Yeah. Yes. So you take a, a class in stand-up writing, or, yes, or just 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 stand-up? You know, uh -huh. where I learned you need to have a setup and a punchline. Oh, I right. didn't even know that before. <laughs> right. Even How, after watching, yeah. you never really sort of deconstructed the joke. Oh no! no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then and then how to hold a mic, where to find comedy clubs, you know. Oh, practical that, stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. really practical. And we made I made some friends, comedy com comedian friends, uh -huh. and we go out to that. And you started doing mics. Yeah, open mics, and also we went to uh, Greg House uh, barber shop in Malden to yeah. practice on Sundays. What is that? They had a show there? Uh, no, th there's not a show. It's just he he runs this barber shop, and when when once 
a comedian. The, yeah, customers leave. We just go in. He sweeps the the hair off the floor. Yeah, we set up a mic, which is quiet. <laughs> and you just practice <laughs> you, for each pra- other. Yeah, for each other, and then we critique each other. But sometimes, you know, we, we're all new. It's, it's really hard for us to critique each other. So there's just three of you. Uh, well, there probably five or six, but the three of us are are the hardcore guys. And you the, do this like weekly. Yeah, every week, every Sunday. So, like, it was it, it wasn't a show. It, it was wasn't just, a show. Yeah, <laughs> but we just just you know. Was that helpful? Uh, helpful for a while, but we did did this for about three or four months. And, and then, you discuss jokes. And, yeah, discuss and say jokes. like yeah, that would work better if you did this. And yeah, exactly. So that sort of engaged you in a collaborative process and in. Sort of understanding other people's point of view in comedy. Exactly. Well, that's it's, something. I never yeah. heard that before. And I've uh, talked to a lot of people. Oh, really? <laughs> never heard that. Yeah. Where, where a, a group of comics got together and, you know, regularly, yeah. you know, just did their acts for each other. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we did that for a while. And every week we had, oh, these are new jokes that mm-hmm. were the old jokes that, that didn't work. Why? You know, it's just. So you would go on stage at open mics and yeah. you'd have jokes that were sort of like, I, I, I like this joke, but I can't get it to work. Yeah. yeah. Huh. <laughs> so <laughs> so a it's like of, a little writer's room. Yeah. Yeah. But then we that kind of tapered off and then we just kind of go out and do our own thing. So you were just um, doing open mics mostly. Yeah. Yeah. And when did you, um, did you do the comedy union? Or the comedy studio, comedy studio, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, Jenkins, yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. And was guy. and what, was most of your comedy at the beginning making light of the fact that you were Chinese? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, then I try to stay away from purely ethnic jokes. Yeah, I just, I just feel that it's a little bit too easy for me to do that kind of jokes. Uh-huh. And kind of a lot of the ethnic jokes are kind of hacky to me. So right, yeah. So I try to you know add more. Yeah, you got to start with that yeah, to get yeah. comfortable. Yeah, exactly. And then kind of build it out. Yeah, but then I have to do it in the beginning because sure. there are so few Asian comics in Boston that I have to say something about the fact that I'm Asian and being on stage. Mm-hmm. So I later on figure out a great way of uh, doing this. Yeah, because there are a lot of Irish guys in, in Boston. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> before me was, goes on stage. Hey, I'm Irish. Yeah. You know, the audience cheers. You know. Right. Then then I went on stage. I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I yeah. just say, hey, I'm Irish. <laughs> <laughs> they got a big laugh. <laughs> 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 That's funny. And a lot of the com- uh, comedy clubs in Boston are in a Chinese restaurant. Uh-huh. Not just the Kowloon. Ho- Kowloon you That's know? a big place at Kowloon. I remember when that opened, buddy. Yeah. That's like 400 people, man. Yeah, yeah. And and before I go on stage, the, the host always introduced me like, oh, I met this next guy from the kitchen. Yeah, right. Of and course. Then, yeah. And then the second, a couple of comedians who did this, and then one comedian finally just said to me, oh, Joe, I feel so bad. I said, why? He said... I saw other comedians introduce you that way. Yeah. I just remember I used to introduce you that way too. <laughs> oh, so they knew it was being, yeah. Yeah, but, but I didn't mind, you know, it's, it's sure. all for laughs, but you know, they kind but of But there must that. be, it must have been a moment where the audience was like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, once I was on my way to the stage, one audience even raised his, uh, in a glass, it was like, some iced tea, please. Oh, right. They really thought I, I work in the restaurant. You know? <laughs> and yeah. was it, that must have been sort of, um, a fairly gratifying feeling to because even as a, a guy who who has my sensibility you know working for those crowds for you know boston sort of towny crowds primarily yeah. white primarily a lot of irish but there's definitely a a cultural thing there mm-hmm. there yeah. it, it's unique 
to New England and Boston. Oh, you know? yeah. And, and they're not easy. Oh, yeah, not easy and uh, very in your face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it must have been pretty, uh, pretty gratifying to figure out how to perform for those people. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I didn't appreciate that until I started to do road gigs. Uh-huh. You know, when I went to like San Francisco, right. or Denver. Where you're like, I can, this is easy. Yeah, I, and I I, but sometimes it turns people off. I was like, oh, that's a little bit too mean. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you are actually nice here. <laughs> I don't have to defend myself uh, here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you start working the road. You ha- what was your break to uh, to sort of like uh, you know start? What did you start as a middle or or a feature uh, or did you headline yeah. right away? No, no, I started from you know opener, host, yeah. host, host, and um, I still remember one once I was the opener, mm-hmm. and then the middler was late. Oh, that's and, it. That's where you learn how to do time. I know. The, the, the guy was like, okay, you do half an hour. I'm like, I, I'm used to like 10 minutes. <laughs> and I still remember I was on stage. I have, I'm watching, <laughs> looking at my watch. It's like, okay, 27 minutes. Uh, my last joke. Where was that? <laughs> this was uh, another another Chinese restaurant. <laughs> yeah. In needham or somewhere oh really yeah, yeah yeah you know why they do the chinese restaurants is a lot of those bigger chinese restaurants have those huge rooms oh yeah exactly it's like you know they build these like almost function halls it's crazy uh, yeah that restaurant has two floors right you know they yeah. can all watch comedy you know and do you like like maybe this is insensitive but i mean when you do a chinese restaurant do you get feedback from the chinese people there usually i oh, mean yeah yeah. yeah. Sometimes they, they will ask me, hey, did you go to a comedy school here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> they really think there is a comedy school. I'm a student from uh-huh. the comedy school. <laughs> it, it, what is it like to sort of engage with, you know, American Chinese who have been here for generations that probably don't even speak Chinese, like you, I would imagine? Oh, yeah. Well, I had an experience once. Yeah. Uh, the town of Quincy has a huge Chinese population. Oh, it does? Yeah. yeah. And then the mayoral candidate that year wanted to have a fundraiser. So he invited me to this dim sum place. Yeah. And uh, 300 people packed with, uh, with you know, basic Chinese people. Yeah. yeah. And he, he wanted me to do a, do a set there. Uh-huh. So I went up on stage, did about 45 minutes, got no laughs, except from this white mayoral candidate's family. Right, right. And after my show, the one guy came up to me and said, can you speak Cantonese? I was like, nobody told me they were Cantonese at all. You know, I did whole set in English. And I was just like, oh my God. But could you? No, I don't speak Cantonese What's either. That, what dialect do you speak? I speak Mandarin. Okay. So, you know, even if I know that they're Cantonese, right. I still couldn't do it. <laughs> So they didn't speak English at all? Yeah. This guy, was, he had a big idea, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> what, what a great idea. Yeah, get the Chinese guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so different dialects. So uh, to this day, I'm s- still really jealous of you know, Russell Peters. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you know, he does stand-up comedy in English here, and then he goes to India, and people speak English there, too. Right, all right. so he doesn't have to cross doesn't it. doesn't have to sw- switch languages. Well, it's you interesting know? you bring him up. You know, he's able to cross over. Mm-hmm. You know, not so much in the states, but I mean, like globally. Oh yeah, with uh, with a, with an audience of of anybody of any ethnicity, because he, you know, he speaks to the ethnic experience, to yeah. you know, to the experience of not being American. Yeah, and and and, and I mean, he's Canadian, but you know, culturally, it's just sort of a fascinating thing that because mm-hmm. I know a lot of Chinese people like him, Indian yeah. people like him. Yeah, just you know, people of of other 
ethnicity than just this american experience he does he's a huge star yeah everywhere but here Uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i yeah i know but you know jokes are jokes especially in the united states yeah the same but uh, you know like when i perform in san francisco 80 percent of the audience are are chinese Uh americans or asian americans Uh uh-huh but when I'm performing Denver, 100% are white. Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So. But I imagine there's some sort of, of uh, a sense of, of, of pride and connection. Oh, yeah. yeah and comfort that you, you would feel with an 80% Chinese audience. Well, well, to be honest, in the first time I saw that many Asian faces in the crowd, I was nervous. Yeah. Because all the jokes were tested only in front of white and black right. Americans. Right. And then I just had no idea how the Asian and Americans would take it. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> and how'd they take it? Oh, they're, they're really great. You know, oh, they're yeah. really supportive. You know, they're like, oh, hey, we, we, we have a, you know, somebody of yeah. our own. One of our own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't have that feeling for the first you know, seven or eight years doing comedy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And now, now you headline, obviously. You've done, uh, have you done specials? Oh, no, I didn't do any specials Not in yet? this country. Yeah, I hope, I hope to do one. Yeah. And But how did the... Um, the you know like you done a few Letterman's and Ellen was a supporter and and mm-hmm. you know you built up a a, a a bit of a following which is great. Now you know you've made a decision to to go back to China and work. How did that kind of happen? Oh, it's interesting. I was trying to get a, a sitcom in America for like three or four years. I worked with a Letterman's com- production company, uh, Worldwide Pants. Worldwide Pants, and we we worked a bunch of different writers. Things just didn't didn't work out. Uh-huh. And uh, in the meantime, I just noticed that a lot of American writers don't quite know the Asian experience. Uh-huh. So I wrote up my experience, and uh, as soon as I finished writing, some Chinese publishers contacted me mm-hmm. and they were like hey we want to publish a biography oh yeah in uh, china in china uh-huh. i was like, fine i just translated whatever i wrote in english to chinese and got published there and uh it was on on a bestseller list for in china in really china, yeah now yeah. did you have a good publishing deal did you make money uh, yeah i made some money oh good yeah uh-huh. and, and then i went there and, and made some uh, tv appearances for the book yeah, for the book uh-huh. it was really nerve-wracking you know I was on national TV. The host was like, "Hey, you're you're a comedian, right? Tell us some jokes in Chinese, though. In Chinese, uh-huh. but I've never performed in Chinese before. Uh-huh. So I just stood there and translated my English jokes into Chinese. And hopefully, uh, ahead on the spot. On the spot, it was <laughs> it was the most. <laughs> the Did it work? Mix. Some of them worked. Some of some of them didn't. So just because I, they they didn't understand them. Yeah, well, yeah it's just because the, the culture is so different. You know, they don't get a reference at all. Right. Sometimes, but right. other jokes are fine. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, for example, I had a joke about you know, just uh, you know, car accidents. If I were to die in a car accident, I wanted to be with a collision truck, no a cement truck. Yeah. That way, immediately after the die. There's a statue of me, you know. It's a, <laughs> right. it's a silly, silly yeah. joke. But then that works in China too. Sure. Some people there understand. Oh, the cement truck, you know, the statue, right. you know. Yeah, but yeah. if you talk about other things, it's hard, you know. Uh-huh. So, so that was the first. Ex- so you, on the spot, you're translating your jokes. Was the Chinese TV industry excited about you? They're like, I think we, you know. Yeah, they were excited for a while uh, to the extent that uh, they offered me a, a show there. Yeah. So th- that's what I'm doing right now. I'm hosting a weekly show. It's kind of a comedy slash investigative, re- investigative reporting. Uh huh. So I do some, uh, you know, monologue in the beginning. 
And then I will lead into a topic. There's some undercover investigation, uh-huh. and then I will come on stage again. Do some but not jokes. with criminal things, just with with、uh, what? Yeah, it's just like food safety. Or, oh, really? Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah,、It's、different China than you grew up in. Oh,、huh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for a while, they were like, "Oh, you're 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 t- sub- your topics are are a little bit too conservative. You you need to be more brave. <laughs> you need to open up." I was yeah, like, "Oh, yeah, this is yeah, great. You're the guy. <laughs> you're the guy. Don't blame us if it doesn't go well. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll bail you out of jail maybe if we can." Yeah. <laughs> 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 is the show popular? Oh yeah, yeah. It was the it was the number one show on the network. It's not a big network. It was not the biggest network, but still, it's pretty. pretty How many、decent. networks? Oh, there were. I don't know. Twenty, thirty. Oh, really? Networks, yeah. So it's really wide open. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, the, the the Chinese work really hard. You know, it's like yeah, twenty four seven holidays.、Yeah. Especially the people working in the media, they're always trying to get some shows going. Now,、so. what do you feel、uh, is the the how does the government stay in control now? I mean, what what is left of Uh, you know what you grew up in in terms of of rules and restrictions and and the fear that it put in people. Yeah, as long as you don't talk about politics, the party, yeah, the leaders,、uh-huh. you're probably okay. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So it's opened up by a lot. You know, I mean,、uh-huh. I think every country goes through this stuff. Like even in America, it's a democracy, it's freedom. But I, they say that back in the fifties in the sitcoms. The husband and wife can't walk into the same room after a, a scene. Sure, just just in case、right. people will imagine something. You know? Right. Just, yeah. No. Every every country, even the ones that are supposedly free, certainly here, and you know, there's definitely a lot of things we don't know. And、mm-hmm. there, but but in terms of social rules, you,、mm-hmm. you know, those are, are are kind of wide open. But there still is a a mystery to、uh, how. Power is maintained, and and、yeah. what's really happening? Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean, and that's still a, a dangerous place for some people to go. But、mm-hmm. you know, it does seem the weird thing about the internet, though, is in terms of transparency or what we assume is true or isn't true or investigative is like you, you know, it, it's hard with the amount of information that's available to to ever know what's true. Oh, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's a very interesting point. You、yeah. think everything's out there, the truth should, should come out, but、right. it doesn't. And it, Even if it's、yeah. out there, people are like, "Nah,、uh, yeah, somebody nice. made it up." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a weird、uh, time. Yeah. So and, and the, another interesting aspect is、uh, like China blocked Google, YouTube, right? Facebook, I remember Twitter. that. Twitter, yeah. Right. So for these two and half years, the only thing that reminds me of America is spam emails. <laughs> Every once in a while, I got I got an email. Hey, do you want to enlarge your penis in two weeks? I was like, Oh God, yeah, I need to do something. <laughs> <laughs> so nice to be in touch with America. <laughs>、yeah, no. So now, what brings you to LA now? Oh,、um, vacation, oh, and、okay. also I'm I'm meeting some friends here. You know, some writers and producers, and hopefully, I'm still hoping to get a show here going. You know? yeah, yeah, right. Is there a stand-up scene in China? Yeah.、Um, I can take some credit for the stand-up scene in America, in China.、Yeah. When I got there back in 2013,、yeah. there's one comedy club in Beijing, and、uh, they have a show about a week or every month. And so now, once a month, yeah.、Uh-huh. Now there's about four or five different comedy clubs, and oh really? Can, yeah, there's a comedy show almost every every day of the week. Oh really? Yeah. So and it's it, gradually it, building it up. And and is it all Chinese? 
Yeah, mostly Chinese. There's there's English open mic too. Uh huh. Yeah. And the Chinese, like, do you, do you find you know out outside of references yeah. that structurally um, the um, American style jokes work? Yes, especially with a young crowd. You know? oh, right, who yeah. watches TV now. Yeah, who watches TV, who watches, you know, American sitcoms and talk shows uh-huh. on, on the internet. Uh-huh. You know, those are the people who actually like stand-up comedy. Okay, yeah, okay, but, so they know the style, but it's still in their language. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it works. Yeah, it works. It works great. You know, I, I did uh, about 30, 40 shows in, in like, 1,000 people theaters. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, Oh it's yeah! It's amazing the feeling. <laughs> so you're a big star there. Yeah, I, I'm okay. Not not huge, but yeah, I did okay. But there's yeah. no bigger Chinese stand-up comic than you. Oh, uh, there in there, China. In China, yeah. is there? Uh, there there are a few guys. One guy was huge for a couple of years, and then yeah, I'm 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 on top. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but it, I'm I, the I, biggest. I, yeah. are, are, is is there still anything left of like the the crosstalk audience? Oh, the, yeah, the crosstalk is still big. Yeah, yeah. So they they coexist right now. That's interesting. Yeah, it's like coexisting with vaudeville. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So the tea house circuit is still there. Oh, yeah, tea There's house the- circuit is, is still there, but then the coffee circuit is still there too. Because the Chinese stand-up comedy is mostly done in coffee houses. Uh-huh. But these coffee houses in China sell liquor as well. Uh-huh. So it's it's pretty interesting. It's fascinating. Well, yeah, the... I would say, like Americans, if you go to China, you gotta check out these bars. And there's no age limit, you know. Uh-huh. My, I took my six-year-old son to a bar. You know, yeah. we play darts. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I need, if I need lemon, you know, he would crawl under the little the little door uh-huh. and get lemon for me behind the bar. Uh-huh. Now child labor oh, is right. family business, I guess. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fascinating, man. So, do you use your Chinese name or do you use the American name in China? The, the Chinese name, which is uh, she, uh, it's uh, spelled as X I. Yeah, and last name is Huang, H U A N G, and then Xi Huang. Yeah, yeah, and then the woman just couldn't pronounce it. She was like Z, <laughs> Zai, Eleven. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> no. And you went Joe. Uh, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I got my uh, got the name Joe from an English class actually when I was in college in China. Yeah, the, the American teacher came and. He just doesn't want to remember the Chinese names. Oh, really? So he handed us a list of uh, American names for us to pick. Really? Yeah. I was like, oh, hey, Joe, this is you know simple enough. <laughs> I just picked the Joe. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So what was that class? That's an English class in in Oh, in English is second language? No, just, just English. An English, period. It yeah, was period. an American guy teaching it? Yeah, yeah. And that was his first lesson? Change your name. Yeah, change your name. Because yeah. I don't have the patience. <laughs> exactly. So everybody in the class got an American name. Oh, that's, a, that's a very good introduction into the American way of doing things. It's, it's a little <laughs> yeah. Ellis Island that's brought right to you. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> First thing we got to do if you're going to learn American yeah, is give you an American name. name. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, now the Americans are doing the same thing when they're in China. They they always pick a Chinese name. They do? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they somehow sounded like their American name, but, but means something different. So they Chinese. can do business. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, it's a great talking to you, buddy. Yeah, same here. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm it's glad we did pleasure. it. Yeah, it I'm, was. I, I've been a huge fan, you know, like... Oh, love your you know podcast TV uh. show. Well, I know we've been trying to do this for a couple of years. I'm glad we did it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Same. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, thanks, it's uh, uh, Hui. 
Is that right? Uh, Xi, Xi, yeah. Xi Huang? Yeah, Xi Huang, yeah. Xi Huang. Huang Xi, yeah. Joe. Joe. <laughs> Take care. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That was me and Joe Wong. That was interesting. I'm glad he came over. Also, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. And maybe I'll play some guitar if it's not too loud. Boomer Lee!